0: What's up guys, welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. This is your Tuesday show, a little later delivery than normal. Trying to record this on a morning instead of in the evening. Get a little more sleep, hopefully that helps um, my production throughout a day. So sorry the delivery is not in your inbox this morning. I'll get back to the grind on that tomorrow for you. But today, we're going to talk about the moving target, uh, look ahead. It's, it's a lot. There's a running back two situation here that I do think does have merit in discussion of what is best. The Browns obviously have a very stacked running back room. We talked about Nick Chubb yesterday. We, uh, in our 2022 preview series, obviously that we're doing here, trying to get you ready position by position for this upcoming season. Uh, but we also are going to talk about some of the other guys in tomorrow's episode. That's you know, Jerome Ford, Demetric Felton, and then looking at some of the other camp bodies that we'll be in and whether they have any potential value down the line. But we're kind of trying to look at this from an interesting perspective of the Browns have potentially here, if you include Demetric Felton, five running backs that are very rosterable players. That's not even including a fullback. So they continue to keep Kareem Hunt around on uh, the last year of his deal. Now, Kareem has been publicly trying to push for another deal as he should. Uh, any player who wants to be near their hometown and and really like the the roster situation in a, in a city are going to do that. But they also decided to tender and then sign um not the tender but a different contract for for Dearness Johnson keeping him around on top of the fourth round pick Jerome Ford on top of Felton the pick the year before it is congested so the question is what are the Browns going to do with their second running back we're looking at this thing from a couple different angles what if they keep all of them and then what if they were to want to move from one of them whether that's via trade or some alternative outcome I don't think they would cut them uh, either Kareem or De'arnest, they would they would ride this year, knowing that they're probably going to have to run the football a ton. I think that's going to be an outcome, and you want to have as many bodies as possible by no further evidence than what we saw last year when the Browns were forced to start Dearness Johnson solo in some of these games because both Nick and Kareem were dinged up to the point that they couldn't go. We have eliminated, it feels like, the potential for a COVID game or something along those lines. We won't see those issues, hopefully, fingers crossed here, as we sit in June. We won't see those issues that add an added element to the, the traditional injured stuff. So uh, we'll see what shakes out there. But both Nick and Kareem have missed time the past few years, so it's noteworthy that Dearness Johnson sticks around, Jerome Ford. We'll see how many they keep on the roster. It looks like five running backs is less. If you include a fullback, it's less uh, unusual than in years past. They obviously are going to probably only keep three tight ends this year, which is a change because we know how Kevin Stefanski loves tight ends. But obviously we know of only two guys who are locks to make the roster and David and Joku and Harrison Bryant. We'll see how that shakes out. But nonetheless, the running back situation is what we're focusing on here. We're going to talk with Jack Duffin here in just a little bit. We're going to focus on their contracts at that point. Going to focus on his article that tries to break this down and what he would do, but we should talk about the players first. So we know Kareem Hunt is now five years into his NFL career. He's dealt with two years in Cleveland where he's had shortened seasons, 2019 due to the suspension 2021 due to the injury to the calf that he sustained so he's only had one full season of opportunity in cleveland 2020 but a reminder that in 2017 he was the nfl's rushing leader had a great season 2018 before it was ended early because of his situation he had 824 yards seven touchdowns was among one of the better runners in the league at an 80.1 2017 rushing grade At an 84.1 2018 rushing grade. He has not been able to get that rushing grade back to the KC standards in Cleveland, averaging 70, 74, and 74 over those three years. But again, I think largely due to the schemes at which they run, I think he's a better gap runner, and the Browns don't run a ton of gap scheme stuff, and the types of gap scheme runs are different in Cleveland than they are in KC. He ran a lot of inside zone stuff in Kansas City. They don't run, Cleveland doesn't run a ton of inside zone stuff, more duo, uh, I think duo-based and some some basic big-on-big big concepts in the zone stuff when it's not outside zone. And obviously, was asked to run more outside zone than inside zone in Cleveland, which is a different running approach for him. But he's still been a pretty good runner. He had 198 attempts in 2020, where he ran for 841 and six touchdowns last year. 78 attempts, 386 yards, five touchdowns. with His best yards per attempt. We talked about a disappointing outcome on yesterday's Nick Chubb uh, uh, episode. Was him getting below five yards per attempt? Kareem pushed to 4.9 last year, so a better number as a backup. He had 35 missed tackles forced in 2020. He had 21 missed tackles forced last year and um, only 78 attempts, 198 attempts the year before in 2020. So that gives you a little bit of an idea. He had one elite game grade. That was his 90.6 grade again against Chicago week three. He was phenomenal in that game. He had 10 attempts, 81 yards, a touchdown, had a great Rushing yards over expected game where he made several people on key runs, miss in the backfield. Also had a pass game opportunity that was missed that would have been a really big play. That was his best game by far. He had Minnesota, the Chargers game, and the Kansas City game where he played above the 70, uh, I would say the quality game grade mark. But, you know, Arizona, the game he got hurt, and then he only came back week 12 and week 14 for the Baltimore games before missing more time. So a very short season for Kareem. We'll talk about him in just a second in terms of our categories. Dearness Johnson finally broke out. If you recall, he was with the Browns in 2019 and 2020, only received in that time 37 snaps before getting 100 snaps last year. He was in a battle for that third running back position with Dontrell Hilliard. Dontrell Hilliard ultimately now ends up in Tennessee, had a pretty good run last year. Uh, when when Derrick Henry was hurt, he got some opportunity. It was good to see. So Dearness, USFL guy, breaks into the league, gets his opportunity with the Browns. A reminder, both of these guys are 26 years old. You don't think Dearness would be that old, but again, you know, had to go the circocious path to find his way into the NFL and sustainability. But boy, did he break out last year with the 5.3 yards per attempt. His rush yards over expected number was extremely good. In those 100 attempts, an 81.4 offensive grade and a, an elite run grade where he forced 26 missed tackles in 100 attempts. He had 16 runs of 10 plus yards, really running almost a 60-40 gap to zone scheme layover. He had 24 first down rushes, which is all really good. And then six runs of 15 plus yards, which is another fantastic mark with 99.1 elusiveness grade. Now, obviously, we're going to talk with Jack Duffin about the receiving stuff coming up soon where... Kareem is clearly more comfortable than both the Ernest and Nick Chubb. But I have my reasoning for not loving either of those things, uh, for, for running backs in terms of receiving and, and the comfortability in receiving, I'd rather have somebody else do it. But nonetheless, you're looking at two really good players here, right? Dearness Johnson, what does he do best? He makes people miss. He has a way of, he's not a bursty runner, uh, in terms of like run away from you speed. I should say it this way. He is a, a different type of runner. He is a get-to-his-top-speed fast, but he can put his foot in the ground really well and make people miss who take almost uh, trying to to really have a feel for his line of direction and using his momentum against other people. He makes people miss at an unexpected clip for me, which is really great. It has great cutback ability uh, in terms of seeing that when I need to put the outside foot in the ground and get back upfield. Really like that about his game. He can run from a variety of locations, shotgun, pistol, under center. I did like everything I saw from him last year. There's really not a ton to pick apart there. He has to improve as a complete back. Pass blocking for me, being able to effectively run screen game, because that's about the only area I love my running backs getting uh, pass catches. Screen game for Dearnes needs to get better. I think that would be a fantastic outcome for him, picking up on those two other elements. Because the run game stuff, he fits so well. He's got the oily hips. He's got the ability to stop and start. He's not, again, not a breakaway runner, when he gets past people and into the to the third level against DBs. But he can do enough stuff effectively at the first two levels to be, if he is the second running back, a really effective second running back. So a good, great, bad outcome for him. I mean, a bad outcome for for him would be he's on the roster and he doesn't play much. Like 2020, for example... He's on the roster, making the money he's making. He only had 33 attempts for 166 yards. That just wouldn't be worth it. That's a bad outcome. Not because he's a bad player or performing badly, but to me, he just doesn't end up doing anything because he doesn't get the opportunity. A good outcome would he be pushes closer to the 534-yard mark like he had last year, up above five yards per carry, a great outcome would be that, hey, unfortunately he's forced to play, but in that forced-to-play outcome, he gets on the field a ton, he gets close to 200 carries, he pushes well north of 1,000 yards, and he gets close to the 10 touchdown mark. I think if he got the lion's share of carries for an organization, he could do something like that. I don't think that opportunity sits in Cleveland, thus why we think that he could be a potential trade candidate as we get into camp. But for De'Ernest, a really great outcome for him. And again, Cleveland, too, would be that outcome I laid out if he was forced to play. But also if he yields some sort of trade that gets the Browns another pick in the 2023 draft, that would be a nice outcome for both De'Ernest if he gets to go to a place that gives him great opportunity, a clear path, because his path is not clear. He could get opportunity in Cleveland, but the path is not clear, and it probably relies on somebody we don't want to get hurt getting hurt. So... That's my thought there. That would be a great outcome, a trade that yields something positive in return and gives him an opportunity, or if he's forced to play, we know that he could push north of 1,000 yards. For Kareem, just like I mentioned – he could have a great outcome which is getting something back in return for Cleveland that's meaningful in the upcoming draft. I think he's also got the ability as we know to push close to 200 carries, push close to 900 yards, add some receiving elements, get you six touchdowns, seven touchdowns, eight touchdowns. He could carry that 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 load that he has done and proven so to do in KC. I don't think he's the the most patient runner. Like, I, I think if you watch Kareem, he's not built on patience and vision so much as an immediate and sudden downhill burst and bullying style of run. He has this ability, this keen ability to fall forward all the time. He's always falling forward. He's always, even if his weight is getting shifted back against him, he figures out some way to wiggle out of it and fall forward. He's such a great downhill trap and um uh, power counter runner when it's tight inside the tackle box because he's an immediate runner immediate top speed and he runs with such physicality he's a great goal line back because of that there's not much thinking there's just give me the football it's a to b downhill some of that a to b downhill nature hurts him in this offense because it takes a lot of patience and a lot of vision but I think what he can do in, in certain portions of the field can yield some really great results for the Browns. He could, if given enough goal line opportunities in a given season as the backup running back, he could be a five, six, seven hundred yard rusher with close to 10 touchdowns because of the way they like to split up their carries. And as you get down close to the goal line, in any given season, it's sort of unpredictable how many times you maybe get tackled at the one, two, three, four yard line, and then you bring in a running back who you think is your best fit to to score in those goal line situations, which has been proven to be Kareem over the years. So I think that outcome's good. A bad outcome to me would be something like we saw, you know, uh, his first year in Cleveland when he got the forty four carries. If he dips down below a three point nine yard mark, yards per attempt mark would be bad. The rushing grade, the run grade dips below 70, that would be a bad outcome, and just he never is able to carry the load as a lead back in case Nick goes down, and he just doesn't seem to go and make plays over the expected that this offensive line will give him. They need the yin and yang, which to me, that perfect yin and yang is a a zone runner, a patient runner who relies on precise cuts. Being able to see the lanes open up at the perfect time. Making that nice cut to get whether it's the bang course, the bend course, or the bounce course in that zone stuff. Kareem is a nice bowling ball change of pace back who is downhill immediately in your face. And that's what makes Nick and Kareem really fun as their differing approaches to the position. So that would be the element that the Browns would really like. The question is, as you look at the contracts, you look at the sheer nature of both attempts, injuries, and volume, what does that best course of action look like, right? I think you have to evaluate that. And I think Jack does a really good job of evaluating it. We're going to talk to him right now. We're going to shift over there. Before we do, though, I want to get a quick word from our sponsors.
1: We're driven by the search for better.
0: All right, so lately we have had some great discussions both in Slack uh, where we, we have our OBR uh, banter and then some stuff has come up on Twitter, but Jack finally put this to paper with his latest article, Kareem Hunt versus Dearness Johnson, the battle for running back number two. Jack, what's up? How are you? I'm doing good. Um, hey, I, I, I'm surprised there hasn't been a mob chasing
2: me. This, this has been out there for like 24 yeah. hours and it, it's everyone that's read it has been super positive. Anyone that's negative... I asked him, oh, what do you think the article? Oh, no, I know
0: I've refused to read it. And it's like, well, you can't really hate it then, can you? No, you can't. Well, I, th- I don't think there's a wrong, a, a really wrong direction to go here. So, um, but I, but I get, I get kind of both sides of it to an extent. So let's dig into your article, kind of talk me through, talk me through where you landed. Uh, I know you looked at the rushing perspective. You looked at the pro football focus grades the receiving grades and and a couple other things and i i know Ernest johnson's sample is small it's obviously not nearly as vast as kareem's throughout his career but it's a po- it's a really positive it's a really positive start to his career you know
2: it it was phenomenal so effectively i just went let's take all the emotion take of i nearly wrote it up as just player a and player b and then said who do you want but i thought let's just put names to it and i came into expecting the results to be kareem hunt is better that was everything i expected so almost expected to be a piece i wrote and then was like yep keep kareem hunt even though it's more money keep him um but outside of rushing i couldn't find a legitimate point or any part of data evidence that said yeah kareem hunt's better um which just shocked me
0: yeah i think i think so too because most people would believe that Kareem was infinitely better. And, and that could be true. Look, we could see a second year from Dearness Johnson that's nowhere near as good. We look at the data here. So the yards per attempt, we're going to exclude Nick Chubb from conversations. We went through his ridiculous numbers yesterday. Jack just expanded on some of those and these uh, these these graphs and different things that he did. But the rushing yards over expected last year, Dearness Johnson had a 5.3 mark to Hunt's 4.5, right? So that ultimately tips in the direction of dearness i know kareem was hurt for portions of last year but that also plays into it right so the rushing grade uh this is where uh, in 2021 you start to see a a really great rushing grade from dearness johnson and when his opportunities were there he had a 90.6 rushing grade which not among the highest number of volume of attempts to qualify him among you know the league's leading running backs but if you just look at a certain portion of snaps uh that is the best grade that the NFL had last year. While Kareem had a 74.3, he had a 75.1 the year before, which put him at 29th. He's been 29th, 28th, something in that realm. Um receiving yards per catch, uh, Dearness Johnson had a 6.9 to Kareem Hunt's 8.0. Uh the drop number, Dearness Johnson had some drops. But I don't think you're gonna use Dearness Johnson in the mold. And listen, I'm in the mold that like I don't want my running back to be a receiver that often, Jack. I just would rather have a receiver out there. I don't. I don't always want that to be a thing. Like, I don't think. Put it this way: unless you find in a ridiculously gifted running back receiver like Christian McCaffrey before the injury bug hit him, like I just would rather have a tight end out there or somebody more uh, attuned to running routes. I just it's just me personally. I think if you are trying to rely on your running back to be a pass catcher, then you probably should just put Demetric Felton on the field, right? Like, I just would rather have that. Yeah, and if we look at Saquon Barkley, who
2: should be, in theory, if you're looking at Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, these guys should be the elite pass-catching running backs. All the expected points data says that's still negative expected points. Um, it's more efficient than uh, passing the ball, which is no surprise. We see Nick Chubb go to more yards when catching the ball rather than when carrying it. Um, but throw the ball either at a tight end or at a wide receiver yeah if you want to throw a screen to Nick Chubb and let him run it by all means but that should be the exception and almost the the screen's not a trick play but it's that element of it's something different I don't want my running back taking catches and if Deonis Johnson stays I don't ever want to see him get a target ever again and I'm more than happy with that pass the ball to these wide receivers
0: yeah, I could see the occasional linebacker matchup like they had one, I think, Chicago last year. They caught him on a wheel route or might have been Baltimore the year before. I don't know if Baker missed him, but nonetheless, it's a uh, it's a situation where I don't want that volume to be very high. So I, I find running back receiving grades to be a bit trivial. Like, I just don't put a ton of stock in them because the opportunity is not... There are no Marshall Falks anymore. They're, they're, they're just not because, A... That era where the guys like Marshall Falk were exploiting coverage were playing against terribly unathletic linebackers who were built to stop the run. You don't have that advantage anymore, Jack. That is not a thing. You look at linebackers across the league, they're increasing in athletic ability and less of them are on the field, right? Which means more DBs are on the field. What do DBs like to do? Oh, cover on a, not unathletic, but cover uncomfortable route running, running backs. That's what they like to cover because that's an easy cover. So I don't like to to put too much stock in receiving grade. Uh, the health is is interesting. I think Ernest is a little older than people think, right? It's kind of amazing that Ernest is pretty much the same age as Kareem. They're both 26. Hunt's going to turn 27 sooner, but they're both 26. So that's an interesting thing, right? And talk yeah. about their contract too. We should d- We should dig into that a little bit.
2: Yeah. And just on the health, it's one that I, I hold that concern of he missed nine games last year, Kareem Hunt. And I don't think he misses nine this year, but I think you're talking four minimum, if not high, five. I think that just naturally comes with issues. And he's played 3,000 snaps in college and the pros versus Dernis 1,500. So that that is a factor that I think people are like, oh, Kareem Hunt's better. Yeah, but you're going to lose him for basically quarter of the season are you ready for that with you're asking them for to step up and be the running back potentially week one or two if kareem hunt goes down really early but in terms of contracts you're paying hunt's contract in total this year is 6.25 million and then dionis johnson on the other side is 1.2 million and that's tiny um in comparison there is incentives that could double dionis johnson's contract but even at double it it's not even coming close to what half of Kareem Hunt is. And my argument with this, when looking at the running back is this is Nick Chubb's backup. Why am I, why are fans so actively wanting to take Nick Chubb off the field to put another running back out there? Because it's not like the money's going to a starting defensive tackle at 6 million, a wide receiver two, um, whatever position where you want a starter. We're talking about this, this guy potentially playing a third of snaps and, that is a lot of money to pay for a guy that you ideally want out there. J- only ever when Nick Chubb goes, yeah, I, I just need a quick breather, which is perfectly fine. You get that at the position. This isn't a position where you want Jadavian Clowney to be the Robin to Miles Garrett's Batman.
0: Yeah, I, I could I could definitely see that. And that $6 million rollover could be really nice to cover some voidier stuff that they have out there. Let me ask you this. it's, It's pretty obvious that there, 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 there's a baseline to the plan. The baseline to the plan is we just keep all of them. Will it bother you if they keep all of them? I mean, we, we won't know if it gets public Jack in terms of like whether trades were actually being manifested for either of these guys, Kareem or Dearness. Cause I've made the point that if a team wanted to pay up for, they would come and pay up for Kareem and maybe the smart team wouldn't pay up because they're taking on more money and they're taking, and they're probably giving up a higher pick. While Dearness Johnson seems to be a pretty capable player who can be had for a cheaper contract and a cheaper draft pick in theory, I think Kareem Hunt is a very nice football player who has a lot of Cleveland nostalgia in terms of like uh, you know, not not nostalgia, but just just uh his his connection to the home city has has helped his stock as he's gone public, kind of pushing for his next contract. If they don't trade any of these guys, do you think there is enough like Will it, all, will it just be a waste of money, or do you think they're going to find enough work for these guys? It's, they found enough work last year, but it's 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 tough. You don't see many teams get to their third running back all too often, you know? Yeah, they found the work because Nick Chubb missed
2: a tiny bit of time rotating in and out, and then Kareem Hunt missed half a season. Um, and that's why they sort of found the time. And you don't want to go in with that plan. And I, I don't see a route where Nick Chubb is on the twenty, not Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt is on the 2023 roster because he's probably going to be looking at about seven and a half mil in free agency next year and when you're paying a quarterback 46 million a year you can't be paying the backups seven and a half million and he is a backup because we've already established Nick Chubb is the starter so if you've got Kareem Hunt for one year he's gone and I think with Dearness Johnson if you tell him this year hey you're going to be RB3 I don't think there's any incentive for him to then re-sign in a year's time. He's going to go, hey, they didn't really want to use me. I'm now going to go in and sign for another team because we're talking about somewhere between 1.75 and and 2.5 mil. But if we reverse that and keep Dearness Johnson this year as our running back two, hey, you're then in a year's time going, he was really good. We'll keep him for somewhere in 1.75 to 2.5 mil range. You can happily have that as a backup because that's 5 mil a year less where... There's no issue with paying to back up a little bit of money. We're not talking about the big, big bucks. So I think that's part of the big advantage. Just looking beyond this year because otherwise you keep both. They're both gone in a year's time and you're relying on Ford or maybe Felton's gone. So you're relying on Ford to be your RB2 in 2023. And I think roster construction is that look at the three-year picture, not just at what do we do in 2022 because 2022
0: has impacts for 2023 and 2024 couldn't agree more. Well said, Jack. Hey man, I appreciate your time on a quick uh, quick notice this morning. Go uh, uh first of all, you have to be an OBR subscriber to read almost all of Jack's work, which is the way we love it. So if you're if you're a subscriber, uh, you you should definitely check out the Kareem Hunt versus Dearness Johnson battle for running back two situation uh, that he wrote about. And then if you're not a subscriber, this is the type of content you get uh, pretty much on a weekly basis from Jack as we continue to look forward. And what this thing is going to look like this year and beyond with his GM chair series, which is great stuff. Jack, we appreciate your time, man.
2: Thanks so much. And yeah, the GM series, most people are writing about the 2022 roster. I've got you covered 2022, 2023, 2024, why certain players are going to make it, what the future of every room looks like. So loads of fun content out there. And if there's any art tools you want in your OBR
0: subscriber, hit me in the DMs on the OBR and uh, I'll write it for you. There we go. Appreciate you, Jack. Okay, so as we close, I just kinda wanna remind you I'm I'm very understanding that Dearness Johnson's sample size is not large here. He could have a really big regression from last year where his season's not anywhere near good in the underlying rushing yards over expected metric and all that I totally get it it could happen the Browns are weighing that risk I think they just wanted to put themselves in a position of power here where they didn't let a talented player like Dearness walk they could also have a couple trade pieces come training camp if a running back goes down or a team wants to bolster their their running back room it's all there I get it I don't I don't I don't expect the Browns to move on from Kareem Hunt, but I could totally see it. And Jack lays out a good rationale for why they could potentially move on from Kareem. I like the tandem. I think there's a lot there. I also see Jerome Ford, and we're going to talk more about him tomorrow and think he's going to be an answer down the line. I'm fine with whatever they do. I think that they can make a great trade for Kareem. They can make a great trade and get something back for De'Ernest, and he could help another team. And then I think they have Ford who's ready to go as well as a rookie because – rookies typically are ready to get out on the field as a running back to to make sure to uh, use up players at the, at the peak part of their athleticism. And uh, you don't want to just have a rookie sitting uh, at the running back position and getting older. That's just not a wise thing to do. So I think the Browns are prepared for a bunch of different outcomes here. But if the outcome is ultimately that all of them are in Cleveland, I think you can find a path to using them, finding merit, and it's nice to have an insurance policy. So they're in a really good spot here. This is not a bad spot. It's just a, it's an interesting discussion spot that has a lot of different twists and turns. I'm not sure it has a totally wrong answer. I can see why you love Kareem Hunt if you love Kareem Hunt. I can see why you prefer to move on from Kareem Hunt because you see an opportunity for a really good player to get a chance at a much cheaper rate behind him. And I also, as Jack said... Don't want to push Nick Chubb off the field at any point in time because he's so gifted, but because you feel like you have to play other players to justify either the money or the talent or whatever. So it's interesting. It's fascinating. It's one of the few positions that Browns are operating from an overwhelming talent at the position that could yield something in return that's positive. But also might just be a group that they say, hey, screw it, we're going to lean on these guys because of the quarterback situation like crazy and try to get the most out of our run game and these guys, whether run game or some interesting sneaky pass game stuff, too, that maybe is just a part of a groundwork for getting through a suspension for Deshaun Watson and winning enough football games to stay relevant. So we'll see. It's an interesting position group. We'll have more on that position group tomorrow with Jerome Ford and looking at the rest of the bodies on the roster. It'll be a little quicker pot because there's not quite as much to talk about there, but we will dig in to the film of Jerome Ford and talk about that player at a lot more in-depth pace because I don't think we have a great feel for him yet as a collective Browns discussion. Who is this guy? What can he provide? And is he a reason the Browns don't mind moving on from one of these two guys as the second running back and third running back because Ford can slide into that third back and we want to get him on the field. So we'll see what it looks like and also we'll talk Johnny Stanton, the fullback position, that evolving situation, where it's potentially going and obviously going to talk about the rest of the camp bodies at the position as well because there are a few guys out there. So appreciate you guys checking out this episode today. If you have any questions on this running back two battle, check us out at the OBR. More than willing to answer your questions and go through some of our thought process. Thanks for checking out today's episode, guys. Have a great Tuesday, and go Browns!